Hello and welcome to Beyond Boundaries. I'm Justin Douglas. So happy you can join me for this episode of Beyond Boundaries. Please consider checking out the Patreon page and supporting the Beyond Boundaries podcast if you're able. That's patreon.com forward slash Beyond Boundaries podcast. You can also help by sharing, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. It makes a huge difference. Hope you enjoy this episode of Beyond Boundaries. Well, hello and welcome to the Beyond Boundaries podcast. It has been a while. Yes, uh, things have changed since uh, our last uh, episodes, which is kind of ironic, right? Our last two episodes being um, Nate and I talking healthcare and then all of this kind of happening and maybe... uh, you've been missing this podcast. There are some things that I have planned, some some interviews that I have banked, but I just wanted to give you a look behind the curtain. Uh, I'm a pastor. That is my uh, full-time gig. And uh, ultimately, the amount of transition we've had to go through as a church at the Belong Collective, where I serve in central Pennsylvania, uh, has, has just taken up most of my time. On top of that, we have three school-age kids and having them around um, quarantine now, I think we're at like day 50 plus or something. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Um, but ultimately wanted to get back at this. What a great time for podcasts. Actually, we've got a lot of time and, um, a lot of opportunity to listen. So if you're new and this is maybe the first episode you, you clicked on because, um, you have time now to listen to podcasts or it's something you're, you're starting to do. Just want to encourage you to listen back. I think we've got some good episodes back, uh, all the way back to the, to the very first episode even. Um, and then also to listen forward, we're going to have some new, new ones coming out. And, um, and I think there's going to be some really good interviews in those. And so, uh, this interview right here that I'm posting right now was recorded back. I want to say in February and it's a heart's calling, uh, which is a movie that's coming out soon. And, and I talk with the, uh, actor and director and, uh, and it's a really good conversation. So I uh, hope you enjoy. I am here with Dallas, James Pritt and Sam Brooks. Dallas plays the character Dalton in the short film, A Heart's Calling, and is the creator of the film. And Sam is the director and executive producer of the film. How are you both doing today? Great. Yeah, doing well. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great. Thank you for for being on, and thank you for sharing about this film with us. Um, Can you tell me about the film a little bit? Tell people who are listening, maybe who have not heard of the film, what it's about, why they should watch it when it comes out. Sure. So uh, the film is based upon my life, which is, you know, where I got the idea. Um, We took some liberties with it, but it's pretty much about how I grew up in a very conservative, um, kind of almost a legalistic church background. Um, And my journey through figuring out that I was gay and also, you know, trying to figure out what that meant and how my parents reacted to it, how church people reacted to it, and my experience of trying to reconcile my faith, uh, which was important to me and still is important to me, um, but also realizing I had this fact about myself that I didn't know if it fit within church or or God and how, what could I do with that? And, you know, what what does that mean for me? And so it's kind of the, the journey of my life within a short film of um, figuring those things out and basically how, how do I react to it? Awesome. And it's, it's a short film. So give me an ex- expectation of like, how long of a short film is it? Because I'm sure there, there's a variety of different lengths, right, when it comes to short films. So. Right. So this, the runtime on, on A Heart's Calling is 
around nine to ten minutes long. So right. it's a it's not so much a micro short. It's a, I think cool. it's just just enough. Very cool. Um, how did Sam? How did you get connected to Dallas and the story? Because I guess just to understand, this is Dallas's life story, and then also obviously expanded upon or or you know some creative license. But um, Dallas, you you kind of wrote the script, from what I understand, kind of created the film. But then Sam, you're directing that, taking that vision from paper to visual. How did you two connect and, and, and uh, Dallas, explain a little bit of that um, process of trust to hand over a script that is not only personal to you and like very personal, like, cause it's your story, but also personal because you've probably put a lot of time into that to Sam to kind of then carry the baton. Yeah, no, um, I, I wouldn't say I wrote the script per se. I kind of had like a format or a basic idea of like, this is what I was thinking. Okay. Um, and I feel like, anyone who knows my life always always be like, wow, you have a bizarre life. You need to do something with that. Like tell other people about it. Um, and so I just kind of like wrote out like, just like a synopsis or like kind of what I was foreseeing. Um, yeah. and, um, then kind of, I just knew Sam through the industry and also we had a mutual friend who is also an actress who's now out in LA. And I just was like, Hey, like tell me what you think about this. So I was just trying to get feedback and even see if this was a good idea. Um, and so I just kind of sent Sam like the basics of it. And then, Sam wanted to meet, and then it kind of spiraled from there. Yeah, and I mean, like Dal said, we've known each other for about two years now. And I was in D.C. at the time, and he texted me the character breakdown, the story synopsis, and his inspiration as like a Pixar animation short film, uh, In a Heartbeat, I believe it's called. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was absolutely beautiful, and I was reading uh, the breakdowns and everything that Dal sent me. And immediately I was like, can I please direct this? I, I see it oh, so wow. clearly. I love, I love this story and it needs to be out there because it's uniquely you. And um, it's such a beautiful story overall and the themes are great. And I was just fortunate enough that Dal let me take this on because uh, this is my uh, directing debut. So it all, uh, it all went really well and smoothly from the beginning. Like the team, we brought on a team and everyone just gravitated towards the project and Everybody came came through. Every production meeting, we all kind of formatted the script and broke it down, rewrote it, broke it down, rewrote it. And it's just a communal process. And it really, like, reminded me what art is for and what film is for. It's definitely a community. And it was just great. And it's such a great experience. That's awesome. I heard, um, I want to say I read something that said it's a mix between that like Pixar film you had referenced and the notebook. Is that correct? Was that, was that in something I read in, in prep for this? Sure. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a fair comparison. I think, um, it has different feels of a bunch of films. Like I wouldn't say there's like, um, for those of you who like are familiar with like the lifetime movie prayers for Bobby, or even the recent movie that came out boy erased. I think there's like themes of all of those, even like the kind of the genuine, um, young, innocent love from the notebook. I think there's feels of that in this. Um, and same thing from that, that, that short, um, which I don't think is Pixar. I think it was actually like two grad students, uh, project. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it looked, it looks like Pixar, but yeah, I mean, it's a mixture kind of like of all those ideas kind of married together, um, into this one thing for sure. Those were all inspirations and definitely give us a reference point for sure. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, I, go ahead. I remember you saying like, 
passing the baton onto myself, I don't think the baton was ever passed between one person and such that everyone was so vulnerable when showing up to the production meetings or on set that it allowed us all to like connect and even sometimes on set one person would have an idea just to better it that much more and everyone's so open to new suggestions and really working together it just made the creation that much more magical and it allowed us to really tell the story and give it justice it was uh, it was definitely a group I mean, it, it took a village for sure to make it happen. Everyone had um, was really passionate about it too, which was probably the unique part about this. I think Em and I have worked on enough, you know, sets where you know it's it's a job for a lot of people. But I think everyone was just super enthusiastic and passionate about us getting a chance to maybe touch some lives or you know show a different perspective that's not often seen. Um, so it was really cool, like the environment on set and even in the production meetings leading up to that, you know, two months prior, um, everyone was just very enthusiastic and really, really genuinely wanting this to go as well as it possibly could. So it was just a very unique process on that too. That's cool. It sounds like it was a very collaborative effort where like if anyone was part of it, they were able to have a little bit of input. That's, that's cool. Absolutely. Um, so where was it filmed? Uh, and like, when was it filmed? It, was this a few months ago that it was filmed? I know the editing process following and, you know, preparing for the marketing of a, of a film can, can take some time. I, I, you know, I'm familiar with the music process and sometimes a band can have an album completely done and finished, but it can be months till it is actually released to the world. So, um, is right. it finished right now? Is it still in kind of the post-production process or? Exactly. It's currently still in post and we just got our first rough cut. Uh, that we're about to go over tonight, which is which is exciting. Very um, cool. Our editor out on another project all of January. We actually wrapped just before Christmas. Okay. Um, so you know, but it's all going really smoothly, and we're excited. Hopefully, to have the finalized edit done by uh, beginning of March. That's our goal. That's and, awesome. And that wouldn't that wouldn't fully premiere to the public in March. I mean, we're looking at. Um, it's going to probably make its rounds in a few festivals, and I would say it's probably going to be available to the public starting probably a year from when it was filmed, so probably winter of 2020 okay. is when we'll probably have it for everyone to fully access it. But the goal is to have it in film festivals, um, and there's some uh, Academy Award eligibility with um, the options that we're looking at, um, and that would be probably starting to premiere around late summer. It's probably when we're looking at the first debut of the film being out for people to pay to go see it um but yeah very cool very cool so so some of the late summer festivals may be getting in and, and fall festivals yeah. that's cool that's very cool. Yeah. And, and to answer your question the film was uh, locations were all in nashville tennessee and fun fact that all of the locations were donated to us for free due to uh their interest and i guess Dude, yeah. a lot of, they love for the story that yeah. dal had to share so that was really cool as well. That's great. That's great. Uh, Dallas, what was it like playing a character that is, you know, based on yourself? How, how, uh, I'm sure there's parts of that that are challenging, um, as an actor to, to go from, you know, accepting a persona for, for, a for a gig for acting to having to play yourself, but then also, you know, it's kind of a version of yourself in some ways, I guess. Um, tell me a little bit about that process and how that was as an actor. Sure. Um, it, it's different. 
Um, definitely because, you know, when I'm usually working on a script, you know, it's a lot of breakdown of the process, like what's the intentions, you know, what is my part and the overall objective of the story, et cetera. Um, there's a lot of preparation work that I have to do as a professional, but this one, there wasn't really any of that because it was me. So um, to a certain extent, like I already knew where the character was coming from. I knew what, what to expect or what it was like to be in that situation because I lived it. Um, so that was really unique in that fact that it was just, just being in the moment and just allowing things to happen. Um, but I, I, it was challenging in a certain way. Like some of it, like we, one day when we filmed in uh, the church scenes that happened, I mean, it was kind of triggering in a way. Like I felt like almost like I was re-experiencing um, things that I had lived a few years ago or even more than a few years ago from my youth. Wow. Um, and that was kind of like, it was therapeutic, but it was also like, whoa, this is like eerily similar and kind of creepy. Um, and it was emotionally kind of triggering as well because it was like, wow, like some of this is not okay when you look back on just some of the events that took place and the reactions. And um, in a cool way, you know, I was able to emotionally release or um, express myself in ways I wasn't able to do at the time. Um, so it was healing, but it, it was it was also a challenge. Like I think emotionally it, it kind of, was draining and exhausting to a certain point. Um, and I'm used to playing like goofy, quirky character actors, but this is very much more sincere and, and genuine and kind of heartbreaking at times. So it was a challenge. Um, but the material obviously wasn't hard to connect to because um, I lived it. I'm still living it. So um, yeah, yeah it, it, it's hard to describe because I think it, it's so unique in the fact that you get to play yourself that it, it's almost surreal. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I hope that answers your question. No, it does. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And, and Sam, you had mentioned that once you had kind of got the synopsis and, you know, the the, the, the character build out a little bit, you, you had actually requested, can I direct this? Like, I, I would like to be the director for this. So you had actually, you know, asked for that. Can you tell me a little bit about how you feel connected to the story? I know you had said it was very authentic and, and you appreciated that, but are you very connected to the intersection of um, the church and the LGBT community or this story in general? Like what, what brought you to wanting to direct it even maybe beyond just the authenticity of the story or was that all it took for you? Yeah, excuse me. Yeah. The, the authenticity was, was a huge selling point for me to be honest, but it's also the story that, it's so powerful needs to be told. And I feel like a lot of people bottle up stories like this. And I think that was like, do you think this is a, an idea worth doing? And, and even that question alone kind of hit me was like, of course, man, this is, this is very powerful. This is something that's happened in your life. And who knows how many other people this is going on in their lives right now at this moment. So it's just, you have to put it out there. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer in just like putting the content out there and, you'll reap the rewards when they come. And I, I just thought it was such a beautiful story. And I, I just felt connected to to all the underlying themes. And I just, you know, I, I just think a lot of people need to need to see this or will feel comforted by it or maybe make people think. You know, that's, yeah. I feel like artists are people. And I think this story really will. That's great. It definitely lies, it lies in between two worlds of, like, um, 
I wouldn't say it's, it's not fully gay and it's not fully Christian. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, when you, when you hear those stereotypes of those films, you know, people expect certain things to come with it. And it, it really doesn't live completely in either of those worlds at all. Um, it's very unique and a very different point of view that I don't think we've ever seen in film before um, to the extent that we have it. I mean, it's, it's very thought-provoking, and definitely, you know, people who make assumptions about people in my situation or where, you know, where they're coming from or, you know, you know how everything unfolded, I think people make stories up or assumptions or um, conclusions that aren't always fully accurate. Mm-hmm. And I think this just kind of shows people the journey and the process of an individual figuring that out and then the world around them, how they're reacting to that at the same time. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster for sure. It's definitely a roller coaster, and I love that so much. All the like, cause it's it's pretty realistic. It's life. It's raw, and mm-hmm. it's it's just about this main character persevering through through all the ups <clears throat> and the lowest of lows and finding his way. And that's essentially what we all have to do at at some point in our lives, you know. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So so Dallas, tell me a little bit about. I mean. I don't want to spoil the story, but I do want to dive into your story a little bit. I mean, obviously it'll be, even if we have some spoilers of your story, seeing it um, on the big screen, it'll still be hopefully, um, you know, a medium through, through a different lens of like short film, you know? Um, But tell me a little bit about, so, so you grew up in church. um, Some of this uh, movie you you would even describe there, there's a setting within a church. So like, um, tell me a little bit about, your upbringing and maybe your relationship with the church as a young person. And as I understand it, you're gay. And so like, when, when did that intersection become difficult for you of processing uh, that reality with your faith? Sure. I mean, that's a great question. I think, you know, I think everyone, for me, I think I had known for a long time I was experiencing, you know, you know, people would put, like, same-sex attraction from um, pretty much uh, kindergarten. probably the first, like, visual, like, memories I have of, like, being a little bit different than other people with that. Um, mm. And we grew up in a very conservative church. We grew up in the uh, denomination Church of Christ. Okay. And for people who, like, aren't aware of what that is, I mean, the version that I grew up in was very hardcore conservative. But, you know, women were not to lead. Instrumental music was um, pretty much sinful and condemned um you had to have baptized baptism in order to be have salvation there was a plan of salvation that was involved i mean there was it was it was so um there was basically check boxes for everything in order to have um a good relationship or standing with god and so everything was very black and white there was there was no question it was either this or that um and so growing up in that caused a lot of internal struggle um, a lot of questions of like, well, it's either this or that. So what does that mean for me? Or um, how do I deal with this? Because at the same time, too, I would say that the church that I grew up in, you really didn't talk about any of these problems unless you were at your breaking point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was just experiencing, you know, being attracted to other guys and didn't really know, like, is that a breaking point? Maybe everyone has this experience and I just have to learn how to deal with it. Like everyone else does kind of thing. Um, so it, it, that happened pretty early. Um, and my, my full navigation of intersecting both my faith and 
my sexuality really didn't happen until college. Um, there was a lot of denial leading up to that. There was a lot of fear of, um, you know, I was, and, and it's kind of it's, it's described in the film, you know, I, I was pretty much threatened by family members that, you know, if this, if this is truly what you think, then you can be on the street. Or, um, you know, they were described in our home congregation that they were pedophiles, they were rapists, they were people who only wished ill upon other people. And, of course, I'm thinking, well, that's not me, so maybe I'm not gay. If that's what gay means, then I'm not gay. Um, and so it was kind of like, it was a process of breaking down some of that conditioning and um, the, that thought process because, that was the first step because it wasn't even just me being gay. It was growing up with all of these things that had a book chapter and verse for every single thing of why they believed what they believed and how it made sense to everything. So it was kind of breaking down that conditioning. Mm. Um, and then also realizing who I was through that and reading scripture in a different way because we were even not forbidden, but we were highly discouraged from reading anything besides a certain version um, of the Bible. And if anyone did have a different version, that was pretty much looked poorly upon. So it was having this, like, social stamping as well. Um, it was really interesting. Um, and so the navigation really took a long time to fully be like, this is not going away. This is what it is. Um, and then, you know, me leaving my faith and then coming back to it and then figuring out, like, well, what, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, I did a lot of research and a lot of... Um, a lot of theology searching of, you know, does this work together? Does it not work together? What, what does the Greek text say? I mean, I went as far as I could to figure yeah. out, you know, what I needed because I grew up that everything had to have a lot of evidence in order to have the idea supported. And I almost needed that to know where to go from there. So, um, yeah, it, it was a journey. It's still a journey. Yeah. To this day, you know, what, what were some helpful nothing... resources on that journey? Like what, what were some helpful resources as you sure. were journeying through that? Is there anything that stands out to you? Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest one that like really kind of changed my thought process was there's a book called God and the Gay Christian by Matthew Vine. It's a great book. Um, yeah. It's a great book. And it really broke things down the way I needed it to be broke down even showing like the, how the word from Greek translation translated through every single version all the way through. Um, that was like mind blowing to me. Um, I had also made friends through the process. Like I'm friends with Justin Lee who founded the gay Christian network. And there was times where I would just send him a bunch of questions. Like this is where I am, you know, be as frank as you want. Um, so that was another resource too, was um, that whole process. And his book torn as well was huge, but I mean, even, you know, that, those were like the first two that I really started looking at, but then I've seen that other people like Colby Martin, who has a book called Unclobbered, and Brandon Robertson, who's a minister as well, and he has a book too. I mean, like, it's just kind of like book led to book, and then I listened to podcasts. Like, one that I'm thinking of off the top of my head was B.T. Um, Harmon, or Brett Trapp has one called um, Blue Baby Pink, and yeah. that was yeah. huge as far as, like, changing for me. Um so do you know you it, when you grow up in such an environment like that, you question if you're the only one experiencing that or is everyone else experiencing that? So hearing other people, even if they weren't Church of Christ or, you know, exactly, you know, to the T what I was, um, it was helpful to hear other people have very similar processes and understandings of what I was going through. Because I think sometimes when you grow up in 
such a closed bubble, I guess, you, you really do think you're probably the only one who's in that situation. Mm. Um, so all of those were helpful to kind of get me out and realize, okay, there's more to this than what I originally thought or what we were originally told. Mm. So at some point you kind of probably crossed the line from, from like what I guess most people would call side B to side A. And, um, how, how is, I don't know if that's covered in the film, but, but in your life in general, like how was that received by people that maybe you grew up with or your family or like, that can be a very difficult process for a lot of people to, to make that transition personally, because even like you're describing, there's so much conditioning and, and, and way that that even connects to your faith beyond just the text of the Bible, but even in the way of like the shame mechanism that we kind of have toward like, am I, am I wrong? Am I right? Like just there, there, there can be so much second guessing and doubt even when we feel like we have crossed a line. And then when we have to, or choose to reveal that to our friends and family, it can, you know, create conflict and even a whole nother process of, um, I guess of processing, you know? So, uh, curious how that was for you, what you learned as you navigated that, um, and how that's even still going today. Cause I'm sure that's not a finished process. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. Um, it's interesting. I mean, so I would say like we grew up side C. I make, I make a joke that I was <laughs> side C because people who don't know what that is, like, you know, like side A is like, they believe that maybe the attraction could potentially be there from birth. There's like questioning about that, but regardless if you have same-sex attraction, you're supposed to live celibate, right? No no relationships, no intimate contact. Where side B is pretty much, you know, you have, you are, basically relationships are affirmed if it's a monogamous, committed relationship. Um, some people would even say, you know, that God has to be the center of that relationship. Where I grew up almost side C, which is what I say call it, um, where it was like those weren't even an option. Like you being gay was an active choice that you were, making a choice you were going to be gay when being gay to people how I grew up was it was like you would be considered like a um an adulterer right you can't be an adulterer unless you commit adultery so in their minds I can't be gay unless I'm committing gay things you know what Mm. I mean um so for them that was like it was very foreign like well you're not gay like you've not you know sexually been with a man you've not dated a man you you know so you're not that's not the word that's not accurate um and so that was a weird situation too because celibacy wasn't even like an option in their book because well why would you choose to be gay and then celibate that you're not even gay like you're not born that way you're not made that way you're actively pursuing something that's not logical yeah um which is crazy you know it's hard to think that way um where i think culture nowadays it's like here's the information do with it what you will where for them that was even the the foundation of that wasn't even a possibility um so yeah i mean for me i, I where i'm at right now is i'm definitely side b um when you know, hold on I real hold, quick when you say side b I, I think i have them reversed i always say i always thought side oh, a okay. was affirming and side b was sure. more like a conservative i could i could have it wrong but i want to say from what i understand side a is affirming and then there's a whole spectrum on side a some would be sure. you know affirming with you know, loving monogamous committed relationships. Does that make sense? And then there's obviously a spectrum on that. And then side B would be more of your conservative theology, which I always say is a spectrum. You have some people on side B that are very 
understanding and even inclusive in the sense that they believe LGBT people should be included in the church, but not necessarily affirmed. And then I think your side C is like the extreme from what, (laughs) from what I I understand. So, so just to understand, you would describe yourself as side A in the sense that you're affirming, right? Correct. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm affirming. Yeah. I mean, how I would view it, I mean, and listen, that has changed a few times. So where I'm at at this point in my journey is, um, and in more recently, but the past three to four years, I'm definitely more side A that I do believe that God is okay with a committed same-sex relationship um, and um, that we can have the benefits that anyone has scripturally um, with marriage. That, that's where I'm at at this current point. Um, I would say my family moved from side C to side B, if we're going to say that B is the, okay. um, and I may have a um, side B as far as they believe celibacy is the, the correct way. Um, so that's been a process too. Um, I think they don't really know much what to do with that because I think they're still, you know, when you come out, there's all these hopes and dreams that kind of get destroyed with your parents. You know, they have their own processing yeah. too. You know, when they found out, it was like, okay, we're not going to have grandchildren. Everything we've ever dreamed for you or set up is now completely like to the gutter, right? So I think for them, it's still a process. They're still figuring that out. Um, I had a medical issue that came up this past year, and they kind of came back into my life. We weren't talking for a good six to nine months prior to that. Mm. Um, and so now they're kind of coming back in, and I think they're, they're learning what does that look like. Because I think they're so afraid to be involved in my life and for people that they – are in church with, or even, you know, having their church community, I think they're worried people are going to view them being a part of my life as them condoning and supporting and okay with everything. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating because if you think about it in other perspectives, like how many things do all of those people in that church, are they okay with all of their children doing every single thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I think for them, they're trying to find the fine line of like where, where are we condoning and supporting and in and, and their minds enabling um, and where are we not? Um, so I think they're, they're figuring that out and I'm still figuring out what that looks like. Um, I, I don't want to cast them out or um, exclude them from my life because, you know, they're still my parents and I think they still desire a relationship. I just don't think they know what that quite looks like yet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a process. It's a journey. I think they're still figuring that out. I'm still figuring that out. Um, mm. And I think for them, too, you know, how we grew up, like, that theology we were told is we were told we were the one true church. And anything that basically, even not just, like, the homosexuality doctrine, like, all of the doctrine, if you were one step outside of that, that was not correct. Wow. So I think for them, too, like, can they have a relationship with me when the theology is not close at all? Yeah. Um, and... You know what I mean? So it's kind oh, of, know, it's this yeah. weird, it's this weird space for them. And they're, you know, they're being challenged and I'm being challenged and they've definitely come a long way in this room. So have I, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to continue to do that. Um, what that end result's going to look like, couldn't tell yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Well, it's, it's a process. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Cause I know that's, that's deeply personal and, and I'm sure the film itself is deeply personal and diving into that you know, and into your story and, and some of the, the incredibly, I'm sure 
intimate moments with the church and family and just et cetera, like that, that can be uh, a vulnerable place to open up about and share your experience about. But I do think it's so good that we hear stories because I think that, that to me, statistics and even like theology and scripture and sharing back and forth different viewpoints, if you will, um, can have an impact on changing people's minds. But usually I think it's story and um, the power of story that that opens people up to reconsider the worldview they've been handed. Um, and that's where art, I think, plays such a unique role, like film, for example, because it carries this opportunity to share a story and connect in a way that that might open people up to reconsider um, the way they've been handed to see the world. So uh, Sam, as a, as a director and director of this film, how, how do you feel this film might do some of that, might um, open people up to a different perspective? Yeah, and that's honestly well said. I couldn't have said it better that, you know, film and art and the expression of art is such a powerful tool to, kind of shift the paradigms of what people, you know, tend to think or habitually think. And this film is, like we mentioned earlier, is a roller coaster of emotion. And I believe it has so much empathy in there. And the emotions are, are so real and relatable that throughout this whole journey, it, and it doesn't even have to be if you've experienced this exact same journey, you're going to relate with uh, Dalton and you're going to relate with Nate and pretty in the whole film, in my opinion, personally, uh, in, in any circumstance, because of the emotions everyone's experienced uh, at some point in their lives. And I think we do a really good job at expressing those at, at key points throughout this film. That's awesome. Sam, what's your um, relationship with the church in the sense of uh, you obviously are connected um, to Dallas and, and – uh, and get this script and, and decide to be director. And that's, but it, it is connected to the church. Um, do you have a background with the church? Do you have your own kind of um, lens through which you see the church? And if so, what, uh, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's an interesting relationship. Uh, the church and I, I grew up Methodist. Okay. And uh, I was, I was always a kid um, that never listened. You know, uh, I always, I always like the communion money and gave it to my parents after, like at a, at a like a way too young of an age to really like be doing that kind of stuff. Because I was like, where is it going? Like, do you know where it's going? Like, what is it gonna do? Today? I, oh you know, like, it was so, it was so bizarre. But then, like, when I got older, I matured more. I really started buckling down and like really getting every kind of religion I look over, and I was just seeing how they all connected and that they're all, like, all the themes of them are so similar, and there's so many repeating patterns. I was like, you know, this has to be um, such a truthful and and beautiful thing. So I, I dove into it more when I got older, and I definitely believe in God, and I believe that everyone needs to have faith in something, you know? Yeah. Uh, I believe faith is such a, a powerful thing that I feel like we all need in order to, to keep going in life, especially when it gets hard, you know? I always look to God, you know, I pray all the time, I meditate as well, and, you know, I'm kind of both, like, I just do what works for me, what makes me feel good, and, you know, 
I, I believe that you know, the only re religion is here to, to help us kind of see what's morally right and like what what it's like to you know fully have love and faith and I don't know it's like I said I'm still learning man it's still it's I think it'll be an ongoing process till the day I die to be honest like yeah just growing and figuring out where I'm at like spiritually and religiously I think it's an ongoing process yeah that's good that's great yeah I think that should be a process hopefully for all of us um I think Dallas, it seems like you were raised in a very um, bounded set way of seeing God is what I what I call it. Like it's the the lines are very defined. Uh, you know where the boundary is, and if you're inside the boundary, your your world is typically um, built around the fear of doing something that might put you outside the boundary, and um, and that usually leads to a finish line mentality of like we've already crossed the line, we've already arrived. Um, you know, not, right. not a whole lot of humility. Whereas I think, you know, Sam, your approach has a certain amount of humility to like, I'm sure I've got a lot to learn and, and this is a process and I'm, I'm along for the journey and open to learning. And I think that's, that's really good. And, uh, Dallas, can you expand a, a little bit on, obviously you probably haven't found a, uh, a forever home in your home denomination that you grew up in would be my guess. Um, that, that, that's not, um, something that, uh, currently works for you. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but, uh, but how has your faith and, um, and I guess experience with the church evolved as you've come to, you know, an affirming position, um, and sought to, you know, continue your faith? What, what does that look like as you desire to connect with churches and such? Sure. Um, I was really involved with one church for a while, but I think um, I have since left them. Um, and the reason for that was I think there was just people who um, started to feel uncomfortable. I, I volunteered a lot, and everyone pretty much knew where I was, but at least that I was gay. I don't think anyone knew what my stance was on what I was doing with that, I guess, if you want to say that. Um, sure. I don't really view it as doing anything, but, um, you know, um, and so, you know, I was volunteering with, like, Big Nation Bible School and stuff, and it started to get to the point where some people are feeling uncomfortable because, you know, there's a lot of um, stigmas, like I think I told you, with people maybe who just aren't aware. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, you know, like, that's a predator. That person is going to immorally corrupt my children or whatever. So the church that I was kind of at there um, kind of ended up indirectly making a stance that the only way it was acceptable to be um, volunteering or being fully a part of that community was that side A, or B, I guess is what we're going to call it, you, the celibacy stance was the only possible route. Okay. Um, and I've kind of opened up to, I think either is okay. I think it just depends on where you are in your life um, and yeah. what you think is appropriate for you. Um, I know for me, like, I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who cannot understand, relate, or be able to have deep spiritual conversations if, if that's not even on the table then i'm i'm gonna stay single um so you yeah. know i guess i have a different lens on that i mean my faith and my relationship with god is still so important to me which is you know some of the great lessons i learned from my youth which you know i'm still thankful and there's some good things i did get out of it um so yeah it, it looks different now um it's kind of one of those things is like do you tell everyone all your cards or um, do you just do your own thing and then not share? 
or do you, you know, I'm, I'm learning that space. I've been visiting a fully affirming church here in Nashville that I've been really um, fascinated by and really into. Uh, but, you know, I'm working through some of the conditioning that I had still um, as a kid. So, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's a process that, although I have overcome the gay hurdle, if you want to call it, where I know that I've done so much research and so much prayer and so much meditation and contemplation on where I am with that. There's like 300 other hurdles I'm still working through. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it's, then that's just one chapter of like the big thing. So, yeah, I mean, I found a place that I'm visiting consistently now. Um, I was very, like I said, very involved with another church, but it, it turned to me, it felt like I couldn't um, get it, get as much from the community as they could from me. And I felt like it was almost like my mission field versus a place that I was able to spiritually grow as well. And I'm looking for a place that's 50-50 right now. Yeah. Um, and so that's hard. And and I feel like I'm at such a different place on certain things, and maybe they're going to be at a different place on other things. So I'm trying to find the right combination of um, being able to find where exactly I fit in that spectrum. Um, but also realizing that um, we all are human and we're all going to, you know, have different assumptions on things and conclusions that until we are, have to come to another one or we're faced with new information. So, you know, it's, I, I'm learning. We're, we're, we're seeing what that looks like. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for that new spiritual home, but I think too, I think it's interesting that you can still have a community of people of Christians who can still serve the same purpose that I think the church is supposed to serve as, as far as being community and, people you can rely on, people you can um, help keep you accountable. And, you know, I went to a private Christian university. So for me, those people can still act as my church community in a lot of ways because we can talk about these hard things and where I screw up. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting. But finding a full, like, congregation hasn't fully happened yet. We're still learning, you know, the things that I like, things I don't like. I know for me right now I've learned that liturgy is not my thing. Um, I feel like with all like the perseverance and things I had to overcome, I view my relationship with God very much a relationship where I just want to be able to say exactly how I feel and where I'm at versus having to say a set language or have a formula. Um, that's and, a great way to put it. Yeah, in order to relate or in order to be able to like come together. Um, yeah. I know it works for some people, but for me, I think I'm learning that's just not where I am. But I also think that's also an indirect trigger from my childhood of, like, this was the only way that you could even have a relationship or be in good standing. I think for me now, I'm, I'm learning that I see God in a very different way, and how my relationship forms with that is, is different. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. No, but, that's but. <laughs> great. That's great. I, I, I want to circle back to one thing, and and if if, it, if you're uncomfortable answering it, that's fine. What I what I want to make sure we don't do is, or just that that you know, I don't want the questions that I'm I'm kind of leading with to 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 force you down uh, any type of like let's bash the church type situation because I think you've been incredibly sure. gracious and in, in even understanding. Um, that people are coming from certain people are in process, people are on their own journey. And, and if you have been conditioned to one particular way of seeing things, 
which by the way, my own journey is I was raised uh, homeschooled, a very conservative outlook on the world, um, went to Liberty University, um, which I mean, that usually tells people right there kind of the, the um, you know, private Christian institution in that and, um, and had a very conservative lens, especially on issues of sexuality, because that was just conditioned in me. And um, it wasn't until I became a pastor of students and began having students coming out to me that I realized like how I had been conditioned to see this just wasn't computing with the reality. Um, uh, you know, many students I was realizing this was not a choice, you know, this was, um, something they did not want and something that ultimately was making their life a lot harder to manage when being a teenager is already hard enough to manage in our world. And, um, and, and, and so, so it took that for me, and there, there were plenty of people who had an opportunity along the way to um, belittle me in my view. Does that make sense? Or be gracious yeah. to me and give me the next step that I needed for my journey. And I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful and thankful to, for those people who were gracious toward me and, um, and, and journeyed alongside me, even as I had so much to learn and be exposed to and grow in. And so, so I say all of that just to say, I'm curious your experience with that church. One of the things I hear in the LGBT community, the Christian LGBT community a lot is kind of what they feel like is a bait and switch where churches aren't as upfront about their views or the consequences of their views. Did you, did you find that that was kind of how you felt? You had kind of got connected, got invested, volunteering, and then all of a sudden the rug was pulled out from under you? Um, is, is, sure. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a good question. I wouldn't say that. Um, actually, I really love a lot of the people who are still there. I, I view it as a kind of a relationship is how I've been thinking of it. You know, um, whether it's a good fit for me or not, if we're compatible, you know, um, I don't think they're bad or they're evil or they're, even necessarily wrong, it's just within where I'm at in my life and where what I believe and how I view scripture and my theology. Um, it's just we're not a we're not a match. Um, yeah. And and like I said, I don't I don't think they're bad people or anything. I think for me, I feel like I'm such a unique person um, in the fact that being Church of Christ, we we like we know our scripture. I mean, if that's like I think the joke everyone makes is like all those Church of Christ people know scripture like. You know, they have book, chapter, and verse. Um, And so I think I come to it with such a weird lens that people, like, don't know what to do with me at times. Because I'm like, (laughs) oh, well, you know, as they say, like, Romans, or da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know you would know what that is. Or, you know what I mean? So I think, me, they were kind of faced with this weird situation of, it was like, we don't know what to do with you. We know know your intentions are good. We know, um, you know, you're, you're doing the best you can. Um, we're kind of stuck in the middle. And I think for them, it was, it wasn't even a bait and switch. It was like, we're kind of, our hands are tied and we don't really know what to do here, you know? Um, so, and, and for that, you know, I, it was easier for me just to say, you know, I'll step away from the relationship. It's easier for me than vice versa. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't do them poorly. It just, like I said, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't the right fit for me. Um, yeah. It was it was definitely a great stepping stone in my faith because I did have a minister who is no longer there. The college minister at the time was affirming, and we had many um, conversations about so many things. And it was a great stepping stone for me in order to be like, I can be a Christian and I can follow um, this teaching. And then this is how this is how this could look. Um, yeah. So I am grateful for that. 
even even the church of my youth, which I would never in a million years go back to, um, I'm grateful for them too because I feel like they certain lessons and things have applied and I've carried with me through um, my journey and through growing up. So mm-hmm. I think all of them have just been a new stepping stone and have given me a different lens or a different background or way to view things that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and I think in a way too helps me relate with other people who are on the opposite side who make assumptions that maybe I don't know where they're coming from and when I can show, well, I do have this experience or do have this background, um, which maybe makes me more relatable or they can understand my intentions are, are different than maybe what they originally thought. Um, so yeah. Yeah. One of the things I'm learning personally in my own journey is that like, um, trying to find the good in maybe the thing that, that I'm deconstructing. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we're so quick to, to jump on the deconstruction that likely needs to take place. It's not that it doesn't need to take place, but we fail in the in the deconstruction. What we're identifying is what needs to be taken, torn down. Does that make sense? But sometimes we fail to see what might've been a great foundation that's helped us actually get to the point of deconstruction. And, uh, that's actually maybe aided us in our journey. And so it might even be that your experience with your church growing up is what gave you such a passion for the scriptures or for, you know, and and for, for, you know, the example that you gave of God and the gay Christian, which is a very scriptural approach to the LGBT issue, you know, breaking down the text in, in a very, um, you know, uh, just investigatory way, you know, um, I'm sure there are parts of your faith that have benefited from that way of seeing the scriptures and that way of seeing God. And so like, even for me, the practice of recognizing that there are going to be necessary deconstructions, but trying to give, you know, credence to some of those good foundations that even those things that need to be deconstructed might've built within me or, or helped me along in my journey or, or maybe they were just the thing I needed to carry for that season. And they're just not, they're not helpful anymore, but they were at that moment. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. I think that's actually where it was kind of helpful with the film. I mean, I think at times when we had the production meeting, I tried to be like, the conservative Christian voice at times where I was like, you know, like where they would have like an idea and I was like, well, but these people aren't going to view it that way or it's not going to be compelling to them if we approach it from this point. We need to approach it with this lens or this is going to make more sense to certain people and they're going to be like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, so at times it was funny where I could, because of this background, I was able to play devil's advocate and say, this actually is going to help the story seem more compelling or it's going to give them more insight to what these people are going through if we approach it from this way. And so that was beneficial for that. And I think, too, like, as an actor, too, when I even play people who maybe in real life I don't want to be friends with or like, you know, I think therapy has helped me realize everyone has, most of the time, good intentions or are coming from a good place. Yeah, from their mind, that's, that's, that's correct. And I think even with my, and I even tried hard to make sure that my family or my parents weren't vilified, like that they're not, villains but that maybe um they have they they just didn't have information that i had or didn't exactly know what was happening behind closed doors and so i wanted to make sure that you saw what did happen or how the reaction was but maybe that they were not the most evil people or you know i tried to make sure that we showed what happened and how it unraveled but that we didn't demonize anybody or anything like that because 
it's, you know, it's, it happened and it happened as it did, but I do believe that everyone, including the church that I was at, I think everyone's doing the best they can with what they know how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think therapy has helped me realize like, yes, did it hurt me? Sure. Did it really impact me negatively? Yes. But I think at the end of the day, knowing if the intentions are that they really believe that's what's correct and, and that's where they're coming from, then I can't fault them for that. You know, maybe mm-hmm. show them a different way or show them a new information, but you know, I do believe at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the best we can with what we're given. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I think most yeah. people are operating with the information that they've been handed or been conditioned to believe. And, um, and when you're operating from that place, like y- you can cause immense harm. Don't get me wrong. It can still be very painful what you cause, but like you usually don't have all the information and you've probably created a way of insulating yourself from that information, which is too bad, which I think, you know, again, we get back to the power of story, the power of a movie or, or a book or, you know, a, you know, just a story, even a podcast like this, like sometimes those help break down those barriers to where you might not be open to new information and new information can be what might challenge that response, that knee jerk response you might have that, that, that ultimately, is hurtful. Um, and you begin to see it for like hurt. Yeah. It takes a lot of willpower to really, like you said, the deconstruction and a lot of the information for your own personal growth comes from that deconstruction of your past and really allowing yourself to step outside of yourself from a third person perspective and be like, all right, let's break this down. Like where, what have all of these taught me? Because I'm here for a reason, and those are the reasons. You know, everything's led up to this moment. And, like, even though it might be so hard to kind of confront yourself with what we've all been through or what you've been through personally, there's so many gems for growth in that deconstruction, which I think is a huge reason why Dow wanted to do this story. Um, From that deconstruction and finding his way led to this beautiful story that you know has is now about to be a reality it's about to be a finished short film for the world to see for the world to see. <laughs> that's I awesome think, I, think that, I think that's so beautiful and like it takes so much strength personal strength and willpower to do that and just to have that vulnerability to say here you go world you know empathize with me or not you know? yeah. yeah that's great so so sam as the director and executive producer of the film who would you say the target audience is? And obviously anyone who makes something wants everyone to listen to it or watch it or, you know, appreciate the art that it is or the story that it is. And so, um, I'm sure you're going to tell anybody listening, you should watch it. But, um, but I'm just curious, um, what kind of you think the target audience will, will be or, or, or you had in mind as you were, uh, direct directing and producing the film? Um, personally, I haven't really given the direct target audience, like that specific audience, much thought. For me, I was coming in there and just wanting to make this story the best it could possibly be from all of our perspectives. So I was more focusing on the actual production and the the film itself. But I know, Dal, you definitely had a specific target audience yeah. when, when coming up with this idea. Um, our other head executive producer, who's also the director of photography, Dustin Brandt, um, uh, Dustin Brandt Hyatt, excuse me. Um, 
he um, he's the one who brought the production owner and, and his production company that you know quote unquote picking up the film. Um, and his when we had originally had these conversations with the production side of it, I think we it started with I, we wanted to make this film for people who were just like me and the fact that they felt alone, kind of at a crossroads of where to, which way do I turn or is there even a path? Um, and then as we kind of got into it, it was more like. Well, but you know what? I think people could really see, like I said, behind closed doors, could see the intention of what people like me are going through. And like, they're really trying and they're really struggling and, and showing that people aren't, you know, trying to throw, you know, all these foundational morals and ethics out the door, you know? Um, they're really trying to find a way that, that this can survive. Um, so I think we it, it ends up, being for two different audiences, I would say mainly it's for people who are, are from conservative backgrounds, going through the exact same experience that I did um, in that way, and also for people who maybe just don't understand, you know, like how, like how could someone who was raised, you know, going to church three times a week, sometimes more, um, you know, whose father was an elder, who literally could, you know, went to every church function possible, and you know, read his Bible weekly, like how, how can this person have made such a, you know, dangerous choice or, you know what I mean? Like, I think it shows a different perspective of, for people who are just like, I don't understand how you even got to this point, or I don't understand how your theology can even affirm that or why you would even think those, those things. So I think it's for people who maybe are just trying to understand where, people like me are coming from, it gives them so much insight as to what that process is like and how their reactions can um, affect that. And and also the people who are like me who are just trying to figure out, like, is there any hope in this? Is, is this going to work? Is it not going to work? What do I do with it, you know? I agree with that. And I, I also think another audience that it would hit close to home with is, is anyone who is trying to figure out who exactly who they are. You know, it's a coming of self yeah. journey, and I think anyone who's going through that or has gone through that will relate to. And I think it'll hit close to home in that audience as well. Very cool, very cool. Can I ask you both um, to give me like I, I just love asking like an off the wall question, not connected to the film here, but more connected to you guys sure. as like people who are part of you know making films or acting in films. What are some of your favorite films? Like, give me a couple of your favorite, either uh, films from a story perspective or from a visual perspective, or just films that you really appreciate. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'll start because I know Sam's over here contemplating. Like, that's like a big that's like asking Sam to choose like his favorite child. Um, <laughs> so, like for me, I'm I'm a quirky person, so I like I like the weird like just obnoxious comedy. Like, I love Jim Carrey, so like anything Jim Carrey is hilarious. <laughs> That's even awesome. like um recently i've been really into like rebel wilson so like pitch perfect oh, like yeah. all those like obnoxious but like absurdly <laughs> hilarious all about that and even um oh my gosh i can't even think of her name off the top of my head um i can see her name oh uh tiffany haddish i think she's hilarious so any just anyone i'm such a comedic person so i just think anything that's gonna make you just bust out laughing for just bizarre circumstances is hilarious but Mainly because I can relate with that. Yeah, Dallas. <laughs> so, Dallas, did you see? Uh, did you see Peanut Butter Falcon? 
Did you oh, see that incredible. movie? That, that mean, movie was I'm so good. It's so good. That and, movie uh, me, was great. You know, that's a story that's just so good, and it's a film to me. Like, it's, it's something that now, like, I feel like in mainstream theaters, we get those every once in a while, those beautiful films, like, yeah, God, there's so many Joker and Uncut Gems. Uh, yeah, know, I mean, there's so many, honestly that kind of remind me why I'm, I'm in this industry in the first place. Um, yeah, that's the one yeah, that probably was best like for me. Too, like, I'm definitely on the flip side too. Like, I, I I like things that definitely give you hope or that you can super relate to. Where I know, like, I have some like people in my life who are like, I cannot watch things that make me fall apart, and I'm like, I want to fall apart. Let's do it. So I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I either want to like laugh really hard and just think it's hilarious, or I want to like literally contemplate my life decisions crying with my ice cream. You know what I mean? So like. <laughs> I'm on the two ends of the spectrum for sure. I'm on yeah, those I, same I heard, two. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Go ahead. Sorry. I just love those films that are are a good story and they really make you think or they really make you empathize with, with the characters at hand and tell just a genuine story of what, what's eating Gilbert Grape is, is a huge yeah. favorite of mine. Yeah. Um, and then I'm a, I'm a huge Tarantino fan. Yeah. Um, in itself because the dialogue and the stories are always just so intricate and well done and well thought out. I could go on, man. This is, <laughs> I just appreciate, I just appreciate film for, for what it is. And like a great film. Yeah. You know, I just, I just think it's so beautiful. And the fact that it can touch the hearts of millions and millions of people. Yeah. And with like two hours or more of material. Yeah. And it's incredible to me. It's just, it blows my mind every time thinking about it. I think it's cool because I think film has like this unique way of like it can do one of two ways. It can make you reflect or you know definitely think on some things, or it can just give you this escapism of you needing two hours to just unwind and not think about what's going on and just have a good time. I think it provides so many healing opportunities or so many ways to yeah. just be able to center yourself. Uh, it's really cool, but I mean, I'm a, from a theater background too. My my training formerly theater, um, and so I think that too. But I think film is just so accessible and an easy way to just unwind or even to ramp up if you need to. Like it's it's a cool, it's a really cool thing. Um, it's a great escape, man. It takes you. It can a good like for me. It's like if it can take me out of my everyday life and allow me to live this story for the next hour to three hours, then. Hell yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get it. I think the first, like, well, it's funny because my son turned eight in the fall and uh, I finally told him, okay, you can watch the Marvel movies. Like we've been like waiting. I I kind of had him like a lot of the the kids in his school had already seen him. And so uh, I was like, all right, you know, I, I don't know. Some of them are pretty violent, so, like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, when's the right time to expose them to this violence, but at the same time, like, this is, you know, a cool kind of potential rite of passage, and so we made it as such when he turned eight, you know, and um, and so we sat down together and watched all the Marvel movies, like, in order of their release, and um, and even just, like, the escapism of, like, you know, Marvel, like, even though it's it's, you know it's not your it's not the same as like peanut butter falcon you're not connected in that way it's not it's not tapping into those emotions it is tapping into like imagination and um 
and just some of these other like the the hero narratives and and even with him he's such a binary kid of like it's either who's good or evil in the story you know and then like you know killmonger and me having to you know talk to him even afterwards about like what did you think about killmonger after black panther was he a good guy or a bad guy and him being like well a bad guy but it's kind of complicated dad and it's like that's great i want you to 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 start yeah. understanding that things are complicated and it's like sometimes those stories and those movies can connect us to like oh when that person did something wrong maybe it's complicated maybe there's other things going on and so it's it's powerful to see how how movies can connect i think one of the first movies that connected with me that was more like in I guess, I, I don't know, I don't have the necessarily the best like film palette and way of explaining like if it's an indie movie or whatever, but I remember in, sure. I want to say college or late high school, Garden State came out and something about that movie just like connected with me. I don't know, I like Zach Braff and and that that movie like connected in a way that I was like, wow, okay, that, that was a good way of telling a story of someone who's really going through something very painful and processing sure. that and then being able to to heal from that you know that's those stories are always you know powerful yeah yeah and for you two i'm sure giving your life to film and acting and directing and, and such like this is uh this is something you're you're always stoked to see the new movies that are coming out and to kind of dive into them and escape into them yeah i actually just wrote that down because i haven't seen it so it's on the list Oh, Garden State? Right. Yeah. 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 You should check. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it holds up. I mean, I've watched it a little bit uh, here and there. Uh, another favorite of mine I watch every Halloween is Donnie Darko. Oh, dude, Donnie Darko. <laughs> my, my buddy has this, uh, the skeleton, like his skeleton get up. For oh, Halloween. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's great, man. But another Donnie movie is Donnie Drasco, oh. uh, I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did yeah, you that see? Film is, I think Pacino's in that as well. Okay. Did you see the new uh, Tarantino, the Hollywood one? Yeah, I did. Did you like that it? Was good. I thought it was uh, Donnie Brasco, the name of that one. Oh, okay. And, uh, but but yeah, I did. I did like it. I thought it was a. I thought it was a good story. I thought it was very entertaining. Very cool. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't too caught up on the whole Manson ordeal, so I had to go back and do some research on that. Yeah, and, uh, to see that, but you know, for what it is, and explaining the times, like I wasn't alive back then, but I mean, it was a good film. My yeah, yeah, I, I still need to check it out, but yeah, I feel like we could talk film a long time. I love kind of tapping into the <laughs> the things that people are passionate about and getting them kind of going on it because it's it's cool to see. But here, I'll get you guys out on this one, um, and you can both answer from your own perspective. Um, what impact do you hope that this film will have? A great question for me personally i just i want people to view this and just really kind of take it all in you know as you do with every every artistic venture but i kind of want them to just think about you know next time you don't see eye to eye with someone really take the time and figure out why it's not because you know is it because you don't want to or is it because you just you just can't, and if, and if you can't, then it's okay. You know, everyone's living their own life, and just you don't have to to be their friend. Just accept it, and know that everyone's going through the same triumphs and tribulations, ups and downs, and through the same primal emotions that we go through. We all go through the same things, just different storylines. 
I kind of like hope it kind of just resonates with them that, you know, everybody goes through the same emotions, but it's just different. I don't really know how, if that's, no, like that's the best good. explanation. That's good. So open would, people would, up to and expand their, their maybe compassion for other people's stories and experiences. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. I would relate with that. I think I, I'm hoping that people, like, there's that saying, like, you know, be nice to everyone you meet because everyone's going through their own struggles. I think that, you know, I think so much for, like, this topic, you know, you're either gay or Christian. It's either black or white. It's either you're right or you're wrong. I think it just kind of opens up that dialogue a little bit more and zooms in on a very specific situation where you see someone trying to do their absolute best and even the people around them trying to do their absolute best. And um, it really makes you go, oh, wow, like I never would have thought of it that way. Or, wow, like, that's, that's really hard that that happened to them. I think it creates so much more understanding and empathy and um, insight to what so many people go through. So I think it, it, if anything, I hope people can walk away from it seeing these topics as not as clear as we sometimes like them to be. Um, and that there is some gray room and gray area and that maybe we need to give each other a lot more grace than we do at times. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Uh, so if people want to stay connected to either you personally or the film, uh, and, and, and want to follow the release so that they can watch it when it comes out, what are some ways that you're encouraging them to stay connected? I know you have a Kickstarter. I don't know if that's already closed. Maybe it has, but uh, certainly any way that people can stay connected or help support the film, uh, I, I would want you guys to plug that so that those people can go out. Because obviously this is going to uh, come out before the summer of 2020, so like people can't go watch the movie right this second. Um, so right. we want to let them know how they can stay connected to to make sure they get a chance to, to watch it when it releases. Yeah, so uh, we, we're on Facebook and Instagram. We have It's under a heart's calling. And we have an IMDB page as well that's up. Um, so you can stay connected there. Personally, for me, my Instagram is at Story of Sam Brooks. Um, I got a few things coming out as well. And as far as the, the movie goes, it should be out sometime, like Dow said, in the next winter or this coming. So 2020, winter 2020. Very cool. Yeah, and same here. Like uh, the Facebook and Instagram is the best place to. But I mean, there's even like the IMDb page, which you know, like where every movie, you know, that's been professionally made is on. Um, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff there, and it has more details for those who are like super movie buffs. But um, yeah, the Facebook and Instagram is the best way to be up to date with what our production team is putting out there. But for me, it's just Dallas James for anywhere Facebook, Instagram, or DallasJamesPrint.com. So you can access what I'm doing because both Sam and I are working actors and in the industry outside of just the film. So, and you know, you have to keep going to the next project that we're on, but yeah. Yeah. And I'll put those links in the show notes. So if you're listening and you're like, okay, I'll try to get to that. You can just go to the show notes and you'll be able to see all those links. And uh, I just want to thank you, Dallas and Sam for being on. And thanks for uh, making this movie a heart's calling. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for your questions and for your willingness to hear this out. And that was a lot of fun. Then thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So excited you could join me for this episode of the podcast. Huge thanks to Dallas and Sam for being with me on this episode and letting us know 
about this upcoming film, please go follow A Heart's Calling on Instagram and stay tuned for the release when you can watch the film. Also, give Dallas and Sam a follow. Uh, Their info and links and all the links you would need are in the show notes. As always, you can find the show notes in the description wherever you're listening to the podcast, or you can go to pastorjustindouglas.com. Also, I have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash podcast. If you want to and are able to support the show financially, that would be amazing. You can also support the show by subscribing, rating the podcast, reviewing, sharing it, all that kind of stuff. Getting the word out really does mean a lot, and I'm always so thankful when others see this as something worth sharing on their networks and stories and interviews worth spreading. So if you felt like this was something worth spreading, please go spread it on your social networks. May you go and live a life that is beyond boundaries, giving others love, exploring new ideas, and championing belonging.